0: this episode of couch potatoes unite exclamation point is sponsored by blue bridge games for the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else head to grand rapids michigan's friendliest local game store blue bridge games blue bridge games carries an extensive line of board games card games role-playing tabletop games magic the gathering and more Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at BlueBridgeGames.com. You say you want to watch a
1: drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your
2: daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. So you can come and talk around a water cooler. We're watching at all day and all night. Couch
3: potatoes unite. Whoa!
0: Potatoes unite. Whoa, whoa, couch potatoes unite. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast entitled "Couch Potatoes Unite!" Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name. Because we have no shamey. Also, we're doing the same thing we do every night, Pinky, trying to take over the world. My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For at Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and the unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU! exclamation point! hope have been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays. And as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to the website or podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Amazon Music, basically wherever you get your podcasts to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including, but not limited to, The Orville, Westworld, Fuller House, Schitt's Creek, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Crown, Big Little Lies, Doctor Who, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Supernatural, and riverdale plus new episodes are in the works including revisits for the hundred outlander grace and frankie this is us stranger things charmed the good doctor the american horror story franchise series panel will talk about season one of american horror stories The call the midwife panel will catch up on seasons seven and eight the dctu series panel will talk about seasons two and three of batwoman and the star trek 50 plus series will discuss season one of deep space nine We'll be launching new panels covering Killing Eve, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, American Gods, Grey's Anatomy, Cobra Kai, Peaky Blinders, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, A Discovery of Witches, The Hauntings of Hill House and Bly Manor, Titans, and Umbrella Academy... And because we look back at shows now past, we'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap. We'll cry Bazinga for Big Bang Theory. We'll navigate the witty political satire of Parks and Recreation. We'll become Psychos for Psych. We'll go where everybody knows your name with cheers. We hope you'll be listening when we talk about Frasier. We'll know that's what she said when we talk about The Office, both from the UK and the USA. We'll show off our Kung Fu for Chuck, and we'll debate whether Saving the Cheerleader actually saved the world by looking at all iterations generations of heroes. By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic cons, game stores, and we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in whatever we're calling these ever-changing times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to our website, YouTube channel, Apple iTunes channel, Stitcher Radio channel, or find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. In the meantime, if you don't hear a show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews, and we always seek new panelists. So if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of the outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback, but we don't want your tears. We want your fury. That's a quote. Everything's a quote in this, see? Today's panel and I are continuing a new Looking Back to Look Forward series as requested by several of our resident couch potatoes and couch potatoes adjacent. As such, this is another chapter of our multi-part series in which we have heretofore explored the original and now rebooted versions, because that's what we're doing today, of the most zany-to-the-max cartoon in Warner Brothers history, the much-beloved Animaniacs. In fact, today, in our third and now caught-up discussion, we'll be looking forward to the first two seasons, i.e., those currently available, of the 2020 reboot of this baloney in your slacks kind of animated delight. Season 1 was released on November 20th, 2020, and Season 2 was released on November 5th, 2021, each with a total of 13 episodes and both on Hulu. Animaniacs refer to In this episode and throughout now as Animaniacs 2020 is an American animated comedy musical streaming television series developed by Wellesley Wild and Steven Spielberg for Hulu. A revival of the original 1993 animated television series of the same name created by Tom Ruger, the new series sees the return of the Warner siblings, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, voiced respectively by their original voice actors, Rob Paulson, Jess Harnell, and Tress McNeil, and Pinky and the Brain, voiced by their respective original voice actors, Paulson and Maurice LaMarche. Animaniacs 2020 continues to focus on the adventures of the Warner siblings, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, three inseparable, irascible kids as they embark on further adventures after being absent from television for 22 years, bringing with them the usual wackiness and mayhem they create while adapting to the changes inspired by the 21st century. Episodes are composed of several shorts, with each episode consisting of segments following the adventures of Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. The vast majority of episodes also include a segment featuring fan-favorite characters Pinky and the Brain, two lab mice, one of whom is intelligent and wants to take over the world, while the other is dim-witted and clumsy, often messing up his friend's plans. Other recurring segments include Starbox and Cindy, which follows a miniature alien who is part of a fleet that wants to destroy the Earth that ends up in the hands of a little girl, and Masterpiece Theater, which involves dramatized math lessons taught by Dot. Today, in part three of our multi-part Animaniacs past and future shows namey series... Our full crew of zany-to-the-max Animaniacs fans, that is Nick, Michael, Christian, Ryan, and Steven, as well as your very involved moderator, will talk about the finer and less fine points of the reboot's first two and, frankly, those available seasons. It should be noted that all of our panelists have viewed all the reboot series to date and may discuss sensitive plot points, jokes, side kegs, and other comedic elements best appreciated on a first watch. So for those of you who have not watched any Animaniacs of any type and plan to do so at some point, listen at your own Risk, as there may be major spoilers welcome back panel how are you
4: in a
2: meanie yeah that's it
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay vocal affirmations are good this is a podcast
1: <laughs> and doing you're... great excited to be back
0: okay great <laughs> well maybe i can rev you up with the next piece of this puzzle which is <laughs> the standard cpu character question which changes With each show we do, and because Animaniacs 2020 is technically a new show, a new show that is a new version of an old show that we already discussed, I have an all-new standard CPU character question. It's much shorter because... Let's face it, only certain characters appear in this version of the Animaniacs and are sung about in the opening title, which you may have opinions about. I don't know. We'll get to that in a moment. But I'm going to start with the character questions. What I'd like you to do is rate your interest in the reboot now along this character question. And let me remind my panel and you, gentle listener... That because it's a cartoon and or comedy, I'm going to do fairly bad impressions. Okay, here we go. How would you rate your interest in the Animaniacs reboot? Would you say, 22 years later, and it's still a knockout, like Dot Warner. It's both delicious and faboo. Besides, when it's selling out, at least it knows it's selling out. So it's cool like Wacko Warner. All joking aside, reboots are symptomatic of a fundamental lack of originality in Hollywood. A creativity crisis fueled by terrified executives clinging to the past like rats to the debris of a sinking ship. Except when a paycheck is involved. Good night, everybody, like Yakko Warner. This would be, of course, after the brain asks if he's pondering what the brain is pondering. I think so, future brain. But if you really are from the future, don't you already know that I'm not? Like Pinky. Seeing you happy is all the fulfillment I need, Pinky. Like the brain. Or, you're so miffed that most of your favorite side characters weren't included in the reboot, you wore a disguise to look like human guys to try to foil its success, despite the fact that you might have been the most reviled original supporting character of them all. Like Chicken Boo. Who would like to start?
5: May I pick two responses?
0: I'm not the police of how many responses you pick. That's Sarah. She's not here, so go right ahead.
5: (laughs) Excellent. I am some freakish... But, 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 but,
0: but first of all, what is Oops. your name?
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. My name's Christian. Hi, Christian. I'm burnt and not thinking straight right now. My skin looks like somewhere between Wacko's hat and his tongue. Oh. Somewhere at you, Spectrum.
0: That's the longest name ever, so I'll just repeat. Hi, Christian.
5: Cool. Good call. <laughs> so, I'm somewhere also between Wacko on this scale and Chicken Boo on this scale.
0: That is a kind wide a range.
5: Hybridization, yeah. Well, not so much a range as a hybridization of those sentiments.
0: So which parts of the sentiment apply?
5: It knows it's selling out, so it's cool. And basically, then everything about the chicken boo one. <laughs> like, there's like we just it's pinky in the brain, and then more of them, mostly.
0: <laughs> okay. Welcome back, Christian, ye of the sunburn, who would like to go
1: next? I'm Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, welcome back. So I, I'm kind of along similar lines. I, I think I sit mostly along the lines of Wack-A-Warn, where it's delicious, faboo, but it, this is also, out of all the series of Animaniacs that we've watched, this was, at least to me, the most self-aware, the most self-deprecating, and also the most reveling in both of those elements of of the show. So they know they're selling out, but they're going to enjoy the ride the entire time.
0: All right. Fair enough. Welcome back, Ryan.
2: I can go next because I'm Nick and I agree with Ryan. i Nick um, and I agree with Ryan. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, I remember thinking at one point they've brought aliens in again. And that's when Yakko goes, this would be more terrifying if this wasn't the second time we've involved aliens this season. So, like, they know what they're doing. So I don't mind it as much. And I'm definitely entertained by it. So, right, Yakko. That makes me Yakko.
0: So, you think reboots are Wacko. symptomatic of a fundamental lack of originality and all that other business, or you know it's selling out, so it's cool?
2: I'm probably a combination of both. Of Wacko and Yakko.
0: So, the Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. the Warner sister dot. Fair enough. Welcome back, Nick. <laughs> and,
4: hi, Nick. My name is Michael. Hi,
0: Michael. Hi.
4: Hi. So, I struggling with defining myself based on these based on this i feel like it's a good i enjoy watching it so i feel like i'm kind of in a indifference to it though in some way like so i feel like i'm kind of in the brain definition of as long as it's making somebody happy it's (laughs) all the fulfillment i need but, so, but because it's a good show, I enjoy it. Okay, so I let enjoy me some aspects of it, or maybe I misunderstood the definition of that
0: one. Yeah, see, let me clarify that and see if you still feel that way. That quote is from when Brain is riding Pinky like a horse in right. that one episode, and he's saying right, it right. very sarcastically.
3: <laughs> oh, right, of
4: course. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've never been very good at noticing sarcasm when it's in written form. So, (laughs) I didn't
5: notice the sarcasm there.
4: In that case...
5: (laughs) The internet must be a very difficult place for you.
4: Yeah, it is. (laughs) It honestly is. It really is. Well, in that case, I'm probably more of... Man, I don't really want to define myself as chicken boo because... (laughs) I mean, I would like—I really do wish some of the characters from the original series were there, and I do miss a lot of them. So I am a little, maybe not myth, but I'm definitely missing them, like Chicken Boo. But I wouldn't want to thwart the series because I like the series. So I guess I'm kind of a little bit of wacko in that sense of, eh, it's fabu, it's delicious, it's selling out, it knows it. But with a little bit of Chicken Boo because I miss some of the other characters from the original series.
0: Okay, welcome hey. back, Michael.
4: That was a very, it's taboo.
3: Yeah,
0: that was a, a
4: long way to get to the destination.
0: True, and we enjoyed the journey. <laughs>
4: yes, I'm glad somebody
6: did.
0: Welcome back.
6: I'm Stephen, and I'm going to say Hi, Yes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, to all of that.
0: You're all, all of what Michael said or the whole range of characters?
6: <laughs> the whole range of characters. Okay. Because it's everything. It's all of that. And at the same time, I, I don't want to go into individual reasonings why each one is what it is because it'll take too long. But we can get into that as we go along. But I'm just going to say yes, it's it's all of that.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. Welcome back. And I Steve. will
6: explain myself.
0: So. Okay. I anticipate <laughs> it and look forward to it. Welcome back, Steven. And of course, my name is Kylie. I both moderate and participate on this panel, as is often the case. And I am gonna stick with Wacko Warner pretty squarely on the nose. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be miffed like Chicken Boo, which was a lot of the combination with a lot of other people. It knows it's selling out, so it's cool. That's kind of where I'm at. There are times when I missed the old characters. In reality though, if we're being honest, these are all of my favorite ones from the original cast, so I'm not mad at it for that. Though when they, I have opinions about what they try to do with these new shorts that I'm not really so very into. And I embrace change! I'm just not necessarily along for those concepts, which we'll talk about. And again, Wacko is still my favorite. Jess Harnell is still my favorite voice actor of all of them so i guess i would pick him for that too but ultimately it's still delicious and fabu i laughed at it and so we'll talk about it animaniacs reboot 2020 now since this is a brand new show sort of what i'm gonna do is (laughs) have you rate it according to the star rating scale or as panelist hillary calls it the star business basically this essentially is a very standard scale and i've given you some prompts which i will read for the delight of the listener you get to rate what you think of animaniacs 2020 along this rating of stars this range of rating stars So, would you say that it's five stars? Holy smokes! You have to watch everything. This is the greatest cartoon revival in the history of cartoon revivals. How could you possibly give it anything less five stars? Is it four stars? It certainly seems intriguing. You really love the fact that the Animaniacs are back. You're going to keep watching. But, you know, there's some some things. There's some possible pitfalls, things that maybe detract from it for you. Is it three stars? You've watched it and maybe you'll give it one more try but there are things you like things you don't like you'll see which things are allowed to flourish whichever of those that you like or don't like is it two stars you only watch part of it and you're faking it for this episode chances are you're mainly bored there's some intrigue or fascination that could hold it together maybe nostalgia also in this case no matter how unlikely but you can't convince yourself to keep watching or is it one star? Pass on this one, guys. It's a snoozer. Not funny, not interesting, not your cup of tea. This is the worst cartoon revival in the history of cartoon revivals, or cartoons in general. There's too many options to waste time on this one. One star. Who would like to start?
2: I'd give it four stars. Maybe it would be three and a half if I wasn't watching it with my six-year-old who was loving it and wanted <laughs> to keep watching more, so that. Made it pretty enjoyable. Also, there's some things. um, It feels enough like the original show, and I don't know if they're pushing things farther, but it also, seeing it go over my six-year-old head, showing me that it plays both ways, we could talk more about bun control (laughs) specifically.
5: (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, four stars.
0: Four stars.
5: I do not have a six-year-old, and I'm a very gray area person, so I'm going to say three and a half. Nick broke that glass (laughs) ceiling for me. Three and
0: a half stars. You can rate it half stars. Just don't get too cute with your fractions like some panelists named Spencer. I do average this out, and if you make me math harder than I want to, I will resent you for at least 72 hours.
3: I think
5: I could handle that. Okay. Half three and stars.
0: a third stars. Three, what? You said three and a half first. That's the one we're going with.
5: <laughs> hey, it's an episode of
0: Masterpiece Theater. Not, <laughs> is Dot Warner here? I don't think so.
4: I might get a little pushback from this, Uh-oh. but as of right now, based She's on a third <laughs> nice. No, 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 third. no thirds, no thirds. I'm gonna give it two and a half. Two and a half stars because I was kind of bored with some of it. I kinda hate to say. <laughs> but there's lots of things that intrigue and fascinate me, and there were lots of things I found incredibly funny. So I definitely want to give it more chances to watch, and there are things I really love and things that I kind of didn't like. So it's kind of in between a three and two.
1: I gotta admit, when I first started watching again, it was five stars all the way. I mean, it it was great. I mean, how many times do you get to have a show from your childhood come back with fresh material? It's not just rewatching things. It's brand new it's exciting and i was thrilled to hear all the voices again and be back in that world once again but i have to admit as things kept going on and the format of the show never really changed you know we, we started getting okay so first we're gonna have the the warners and then we're gonna have a pinky in the brain and then we're gonna have a warners with little tiny bits in between rather than a large variety show essentially it's it's kind of slipped down to a four for me we're it certainly seemed intriguing. I'm going to keep watching. I'm looking forward to, to the next season already, just to see where they're going to go with it. But I do kind of feel like we've eaten the same meal a lot, and I'm kind of hoping for a little bit more flavor as as the next season is coming out. So four. Five stars. <laughs> and he'll he'll justify.
0: I, I know he'll justify that in a moment I guess but <laughs> <laughs> to recall the listener in our first episode Stephen is our resident cartoon enthusiast as a general theme so I expect that will play I'm gonna give four stars I'm still laughing at it and entertained and I actually I there were a couple of friends who outright panned it going in so I went in with low expectations I think their expectations might have been a little too high, actually, in the end. But I, I'm kind of where Ryan is and how he explained it. I wish there was a little bit more variety, but I still ultimately love the Warner siblings and Pinky and the Brain. I actually think some of the Pinky and the Brain shorts are quite possibly the most excellent that they've done because they really kind of hammered in on those, especially the one where Pinky... Is it pinky? No, I think it's the brain has a time traveling device and ends up in different dimensions. That one's pretty brilliant. But I, I also agree that there's there's room for them to explore a little bit more variety. I don't know why they only have a couple of extra new characters. I don't know exactly why they scrapped every old character. I know that some of them they thought seemed dated. So, like for example, the good feathers, because that was a riff on the good fellas. I read in my research that the new producers didn't think anybody in this generation would get that, which I think is weird because Animaniacs has always catered to all the generations. But what can you do? But I still am happy that it's back and all the five, four, four actors that do the main voices are still at the top of their game. So that at least I think makes it squarely a four for me. All right. So that, we're all over the board. We've, we've gone from 2.5 to 5. There's lots of range here. I'm very excited for the discussion because, of course, in our Looking Back episodes, everyone was like, Animaniacs, that's brilliant. And we all agreed, and there was a lot of impressions. It's probably not going to be quite so easy to agree this time. <laughs> But that's fun. That's what makes our podcast so spicy. So let's start with the big one. Compare the original series to the reboot. Spend some time on it. Do you think it, the reboot is better, worse? Are you indifferent? Do you think they're the same? And then expound on what you think.
2: I don't know if I could say the reboot's better, but I think I enjoy the reboot in my current stage of life more than Rewatching the original but that might be because I've seen the original so much and there's a lot more episodes that kind of like I was getting sick of some of those other characters that they didn't bring back I wish they would bring them back a little bit yeah so it's really hard to say I'm really enjoying this one in this stage of my life right now so I think they're comparable to both being pretty good they know what they're doing and they're doing it well
4: Yeah, for me, it's really hard to make a comparison outside of any, in 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 an artistic way, I feel like. Because it seems to me that the two shows, even though it's relatively the same content, the same content, capital C content, like, you know, the the same intellectual property, if you want to get all business-like, it just feels like that the shows are doing different things. And it's hard for me to compare them in a way that can be, I don't know, I just, I feel like I can't say, oh, I like it better, or I like it worse. I like them in different ways. So, like, the original show, for me, is, like, just classic Looney Tunes-style irreverence with different, with, like, sketch comedy elements because of the different, like, characters. And it's got, you know, the quick, rapid-fire jokes and I feel like this one, you know, it just leans so heavily into the, especially the Warner segments, leans so heavily into the self reference and the, the selling out, quote unquote, and the that sort of thing that it's just like, it's just doing something different comedy wise. And I, I mean, I guess you can compare the two, but to me, they're doing two different things. And it's hard to say that they just exist in different spaces almost, even though they're the same characters, which I think is a really interesting and intriguing thing. But I'm sure you rated the original more than <laughs> 2.5. It's true. I did. I totally did. I, I think, if I remember correctly, I gave the original, like, five stars.
2: I feel like that's your answer. <laughs>
5: but <my laughs> star, I had a thought based on something you said, Carrie. where it's just, like, some of what they're doing is the best stuff they've ever done. Every once in a while, I kind of have that thought of just, like, that's better than anything in the original series, but overall, kind of a cliche. But I want to just—I I feel instinctively—it just kind of feels less punchy and less energetic, or just a different energy, you know, to be diplomatic, maybe. But yeah, some of what they're doing is—is is, gives me the impression as some of the best stuff they've ever done, but it's not—it's not a high percentage of what they're doing. Is—is—is is, is that for
1: me? I find that with a lot of the new things that are coming out, that are kind of recycled versions of what has come 20 30 years ago you think of movies that are getting sequels way beyond when the originals came out there's a there's a high dose of expectations that come along with it and watching the originals not only was a revisit to that classic part of animation but also carried a lot of childhood nostalgia that this new version doesn't really have again because it's all brand new and it's it's all jokes and it also feels like a lot of those jokes are still catered towards us but they're not for kids you know' they're, they're shooting a lot more adult and a lot of the political saf- satire that they shoot for and th- there's things in there that clearly they're they're talking to us the former you know 9 10 11 year olds or, or whoever who was watching the show in the 90s but clearly they understand that we are all grown up which like Michael said you 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 put it very well that they're, they're two different things they're the the same, they're the same species, but maybe not exactly the same. You know, kind of like... Well, I, I'm I i do not know. I'm losing the, the the metaphor here. But yeah, I mm-hmm. I like it. I didn't end up liking it as much by the end as I did when I was watching those first couple episodes, and there was the new feeling to it. As as you said too, I think it was, well, it was I think it was Christian. They they know what's funny. They know what's gonna land. And they're clearly going to angle in on that, which was great for a while. And then it started to go, okay, all right, that's cool. They did that joke again. Eh, that's funny. But it, it still felt a little pressed at times, just a little bit pressed, a little forced. And I do miss a lot of the side characters, the, the ones that I didn't think I was going to miss. But every once in a while, I was like, no, it'd be fun here. Rita and
5: Runt. It's like your other I'm, metaphor, like meals. It's just like sometimes, just like man, I could really go for some Rita and Runt right now. You know. Yep.
1: I miss Slappy Squirrel a lot. Yeah. Here's one of my big
4: favorites. time. I, I totally miss Slappy Squirrel.
0: I, I, <laughs> I,
3: I know. Need to wind up.
0: I <laughs> no, there's no wind up here because so what I what I noticed obviously yes. is that and I'm gonna kind of press Nick. In a moment, since he mentioned watching it with his six year old. Mm-hmm. Agree with Ryan's observation. The jokes are, I feel, probably a little bit more adult skewed, but there's still plenty of slapstick, so I think that's where kids are going to respond to the show, to the cartoon now. One of the things, and I put this actually in the thoughts for consideration, one of the conditions of reviving the show, actually, from executive producer Steven Spielberg was that more satire would be included. So straight up satire, not just referential satire or homage. It was straight up satire was meant to be included to sort of respond to, because it came out, it was released in November 2020 and they had that timetable. November 2020 was hot times in the socio-political sphere here in the United States of America. So when when the the show is also much more meta-referential than it ever has been, I think, in this reboot. I mean, there were were meta moments in the original series. I, I think they rode the meta quite heavily in both seasons of the reboot. I appreciate that meta reference a lot, especially in the premiere, the pilot of the reboot. I thought it was hilarious that they made so many jokes about being not your dad's animaniacs, I think, was one of the lines. But there are times when it is a little bit repetitive for me, which is a sad thing to say because I love all of these characters, but the, the piece of the original Animaniacs that, was, that made it so responsive for me, other than the fact that it was just pure funny and cartoonish gold, is that there was that anticipation of, oh, will, will I get to see what will be the next thing? Will it be this? Will it be this? Will it be this? It be this? You don't have that. With this particular combination. So, even if you take the nostalgia purely out of it and just look at it for what it is, it's lacking that sense of variety. And the, the new shorts, like I mentioned, Starbucks and Cindy, I don't, Dot's math thing is short, so I don't care. But Starbucks and Cindy, the incredible gnome in people's mouths, is <laughs> 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 fun, but I, I, to me, they're not as funny. As some of the other characters used to be. I don't know. Maybe I'm just having difficulty with change. But they also see, th- changed
4: a lot. So You see, for those new shorts, it didn't seem like there were that many. And I was a little disappointed that they they weren't given at least a little bit more of a chance. I mean, you know, like, I think it's, what, only two of each? I think in over 26 episodes. Am I right, Ned? It's a couple, like, two, yeah. Or yeah at so i mean i i will say that i really like the fact that they decided to take a risk a little bit by incorporating a slightly different animation style with those shorts like you can kind of tell i mean it almost looks like there, there's a different there's a different like studio that's animating them than the like the warner segments and the pinky and the brain segments And so that's the thing that I love most about animation is the fact that you can literally tell the same story if you wanted to with the same script in different animation styles and it would change the story significantly. So, I mean, the fact that they actually took a slight risk by doing a little bit of, by altering the animation style of these shorts, I'm really impressed by. Now, maybe the content wasn't that great and maybe it needed to be a little bit fleshed out. Maybe it needed to be developed a little bit more because it seems like the the gnome one is basically a one joke premise of just like oh hey we're gonna the gnomes gonna say exactly what we should all want to say or whatever and it's, it's just like you know i mean it's kind of funny but i just feel like it'd be nice to see a little bit more development there in fact i almost kind of wish there were more characters with more even more crazy animation styles in order to like because that's something that the original show didn't do they stuck to the same animation style for the entire run so that's something i actually kind of like i mean i
2: agree i'd like to see more new characters in season three i like the angry gnome They're it's not long and it's bender is, is the gnome and i like what they're dead t-
0: bender is the yeah. gnome Did you,
2: john dimaggio
0: he's the gnome
2: yeah yeah john dimaggio yep
0: i did not know that
2: well he is yeah yeah and he's just yelling at people. But I also like, it isn't just yelling at people. It's like the nurse that steals the pudding. It's the hospital's fault for not giving her breaks. Like, uh, I don't know. I think that's worth telling. And I love the alien. I think that's a f- funny concept, too. It's a different, it is along the same lines or an evolution. of was at Mindy from Tiny Toons and yeah, Elmira and Mindy. It's in that that vein. Mindy from Animaniac. Yeah, it's definitely very
4: like, Elmira-esque.
2: But I like the different. I like the different twist of she's inadvertently
5: saving humanity. Yeah, the premise of that one I think is is really pretty brilliant, even if the execution might not be. and the gnome one, I I was so. I don't know if it's just because I was I was you know hitting that sort of fatigue point of the the format. So I was just so relieved to see something different. But I really like the gnome one in particular. It's just so absurd and. It, in some ways, just matters so little that it, it feels very much in keeping with the original series, where it's just like, oh, none of this really matters. It's just stupid in the best way that mm-hmm. gets me. So yeah, I was very glad to see both of those for di- for slightly different reasons, but more more of both new characters for sure would be
1: nice. I could I could definitely see a little bit more of of Cindy. There's there's a kernel of a great idea in there but what I don't want it to have happen is a slightly different version of pinky in the brain essentially where you've got the alien that's trying to take over the world and the dim world <laughs> continues yeah. to spoil every single time so they, they'd have to be very careful not that they couldn't be creative enough with it to, to make it work but it'd be it, it's kind of a very fine line that they'd be walking there between just retreading an idea that they've already got going
0: or Rita, or sorry, or it's Mindy and Buttons, which is actually how it struck me when I watched it. Like, oh, you didn't bring back Mindy and Buttons, so now you've got Cindy and this alien dude who's inadvertently dragged into trouble. I mean, I don't know. I, I want to say, I want to say with all the fervor and excitement and enthusiasm, yes, this was just wonderful 26 episodes, What I would say is that it's like a BB+. That's where I'm at in my brain. Like, all the ingredients are there. The bones are good. Some of it is really, really tried and true and well done. And some of it is, you know, just... There's just something that... I think what maybe is missing from it a little bit is a sense of innocence. Which the original (coughs) Animaniacs managed to balance their meta-referentials and satire and other kinds of humor a little bit more with sort of the we're still trying to appeal to kids like making a good attempt to to appeal to kids
5: and staying light
0: and staying a little bit lighter whereas this one and i i don't mind satire at all i i just felt like at least by the second season the first season it was fresh the first season felt really funny. They could capitalize on what was going on. The second season started to meander a little bit with that. And I I don't know. I don't, I don't dislike it. I just, for me, it's maybe not as, it was not as enticing. But I still enjoyed it. But there were times when I picked up my phone and looked at it while I was watching this. <laughs> I guess is what I'm thinking.
4: The satire. It's interesting you say that Spielberg insisted that there be more of it in this reboot because knowing that I it kind of helps explain a certain well it explains the existence of the bun episode, for instance, calling <laughs> back to what Nick said earlier, which is that which is that cartoon in the first season, I think it's in like the third episode where they have a bunny infestation and it's basically they literally say at the very end of a at the cartoon that it's a thinned, it's a thin metaphor for gun violence and gun proliferation <laughs> and to me the the satire was almost jarring like even watching the second episode where literally there is a caricature of a certain someone that i will not name because i don't give the dignity of naming this individual because that's my philosophy, but oh, it's pretty obvious. It. No, no, season one. It's like literally the second episode of season one. It's okay. he plays the the he plays the Cyclops, and oh, when yeah. they go back to when, yeah yeah he plays the Cyclops that's when we an, go back to ancient Greece.
0: It's the Odyssey. And it's pretty retelling.
4: jarring. Pretty jarring, in my opinion, to see that. And yeah,
0: it was timely,
4: but it was it was just like. But did we I, need more? Well, yeah. and to be yeah.
0: fair, in the original series, Bill Clinton did play the sax and show up a few times.
1: That's true. Yes, <laughs> you are absolutely right. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily in that exact context, though. No. And yeah, they—that they, wasn't a shot across the bow. That was a—that was a shot directly for the powder magazine, right there.
2: <laughs> also, I was also surprised how many times Putin was in <laughs> these. <laughs> Yeah. But I guess with Pinky and the Brain and dictators and rulers and
5: world leaders,
0: it was like three or four times.
5: See, and one, he was literally just a stain on a mattress. That is <laughs> the own kind of commentary. I think.
0: <laughs> because they had already gone for pure satire, it did not surprise me that Putin showed up so much and was actually kind of a very good connection point. For the brain, because really that's when the brain is trying to be. <laughs> so... <laughs> is
3: the brain a
2: cage? Uh, no, no, he's he- in a cage.
0: He was in a cage. In he was, cage. was posing as a dictator invited to this dictator <laughs> dinner. Oh, is this a joke? Did I miss it? Okay. Are, we just gonna, are we just
4: gonna, yeah, I, I feel like we're just gonna skirt over that really
5: bad pun there, Nick, so... <laughs> oh, I'd be proud of that one. I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear it. So, it's in the
5: spirit of the you know the content.
0: What is happening? I don't even know.
5: <laughs> Come back. You'll have to re-listen to the episode.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: and I will. <laughs>
2: yeah, like
0: you Good night, everybody. No, just continue.
3: <laughs> Were
0: you gonna say something, Nick?
2: Sure. I don't know if you want me to go into it now, but
0: You can go into whatever you want.
2: I'll tell you, the satire didn't take away of my six year old's enjoyment. It was still very funny to him. Whether it was well, and he might not be a good gauge because there was only like he enjoyed a lot of it, but there was only one segment that he asked, "Can we watch that again right now?" Like we couldn't finish the episode, but uh-huh. you will never guess which one it is because this is how my son's brain works.
0: But I want to know now. <laughs> it was I dot. What I
2: was
4: going to say. I think our
0: inquiring
2: listeners want to know the second dot finished. Her song about all the first ladies, he wanted to rewatch that
3: <laughs> <laughs> immediately. Aww.
2: But he's kind of gone down a obsession about all the U.S. presidents, so that was... Right up his alley. It was both funny, but he wanted to learn all about them. It, that
0: is amazing. There was a very good Instagram story posted by their nanny. <laughs> <laughs> with with junior podcaster Eli asking questions <laughs> and making statements about presidential facts. I was very impressed.
2: Yeah. he's He's something. But he also will laugh hysterically when brain hits Pinky on the head. It's perfect.
0: <laughs> so this show
2: is right up his alley for sure.
0: Well, I mean, if, you, if you're if you not laughing at brain hitting Pinky on the head, what are you even doing?
2: And also, Zayas like, huh, this is... Because he asks a lot of really deep questions about the presidents and whether they were good people or not, which is a huge topic and hard to <laughs> explain 200 years of U.S. history. But, like, I appreciate what Animaniacs did DJ Give about Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Hmm.
0: that's true that was a very hard-hitting bit of history there the christopher columbus short
2: and him every time he landed somewhere he like crushed an animal that was all it really needed for you to be like he's a horrible person
5: (laughs) (laughs) yes go with that feeling go with that instinct
0: (laughs) that's true if nothing else this particular animation has been illustrative of its entire existence (laughs) It depicts and of course, cool as we
4: for. all know, Christopher Columbus is in a bad place because of all the raping and the pillaging.
0: That's right, and that's the subject of another podcast, which we have already done, <laughs> called "The Good Place." Please find it in our archives and watch the show; it's brilliant. Stephen,
4: I did say the bad place, didn't I? I didn't know. Okay, oh, you did
0: anyway. Stephen, what do you think? You've been quiet. I know you've been listening.
4: You've been pondering.
0: Are you pondering what we're pondering, Stephen? <laughs>
6: All and more. <laughs> okay. You can't really compare the two because it's grown as much as we've grown. It's unfair to compare what it is now to what it used to be and to hold it to that expectation. That being said, what it is now is everything that it always was and more. So 22 years later, twenty-two years later, it's still a knockout like that one. It's both delicious and fabulous because when it's selling out, it knows it's selling out. Now, selling out has been looked at back in the day as a bad thing nowadays Everybody sells out. You sell out on your likes, you sell out on your podcasts, you sell out on your posts, you sell out on your animations, you sell out on your projects, you're your own DIY. You are your own platform, you are your own business. And it's celebrated to be those things. So in order to survive in that kind of psyche, especially within the animation realm, where everything, a lot of things independently are getting big right now in animation, has been, you know, all that kind of stuff that whatever is on there, getting traction. And it's, it's being celebrated. So, them calling attention to the fact that they are doing it is something that they've kind of always done. They've always been very satirical and self-referential. So, yeah, it's at least it knows it's selling out, but it's making it very entertaining. It's kind of like in the context of how I hit, of how the Rescue Rangers reboot, quote-unquote reboot movie. I won't say reboot, I'll say movie hit. It is exactly what it is, and it's exactly what you hate. It's exactly what you love, and it takes all that, turns it on its head regurgitates it into something you didn't see coming that is also what it is at the same time. All joking aside, reboots are (laughs) what is it? Symptomatic of a fundamental lack of originality in Hollywood? It's true. We are in the nostalgia wave of the 90s. There are tons of 90s projects being celebrated and successful right now. And I hold that up to the, again, I might have mentioned this in the extremely ages and pages and pages ago first chapter of this madness, the 30-year nostalgia gap. 80s were all about the 50s the 90s were like a second 60s the 2000s were very experimental like the 70s the 2010s had a sort of celebration of 80s flair. now here we are 2020s going back to the 90s I mean it's it's being celebrated and again it's also being mocked and it's also <laughs> not taking itself with too much too much strength of seriousness but it's also allowing itself to stretch and do different things and try different swings you know they might not always get a home run but at least it's it's being what it is but also evolving itself for a modern generation what did Yakko say it's not your dad's animaniacs and it's not and that's a good thing that's that is truly a good thing it's giving us what we need out of it to love it and to, and to experience that nostalgia and to celebrate it and hope it, it lives on instead of it just being an old joke or an old memory that people look back on or kids today look back on and say, oh, that was old, that's, that's my dad's stuff, or whatever. So it is being what it was for us, but also being what it needs to be for new audience members and we might not always agree with what it's doing in that regard but at the same time it's opening doors for new fans to celebrate and enjoy it and make accessible to the old stuff even if the old stuff seems old and outdated to them they will go into it with a new celebration because of this new iteration of Animaniacs so that being said moving on to are you pondering when well, I'm pondering? I think so future brain, but if we're really for the future, do you know how do you, how do we already know that I'm not like Pinky? For that connection, Narf. Moving on. <laughs> you, seeing that's you fair. happy is all <laughs> fulfillment. I need Pinky, like the brain. And that's also a sensibility that we liked watching it as kids in the first run. You know, our generation, the 30 somethings and 40 somethings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As long as you're happy, let it do what it wants. Let it swing hard. Let it throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Let's try to entertain you with all these characters, all this madness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just an explosion of creativity and, and ex- exercise and cartooning. Nowadays, they kind of, with the new iteration, reducing the characters that we know and love for for topical reasons, I'm sure, for reasons that, that are, are a safe choice. They're selling out, remind you, and they're celebrating that they are selling out, so they have to adhere to that. They even call attention to that in the episode where they're being hunted, quote-unquote, you know. Spoiler whatever, I don't care. I'm going to talk about
0: it. We already
3: warned the spoilers. <laughs>
6: and there are, some, there are some characters that you might not expect that have been the ones that have been hanging on like scratchy pinky of the braid chicken boo. I'm surprised the most universal hated character has been making most of the appearances out of the secondary characters outside of Dr. Scratch season two. So I find that kind of amazing that they're poking f- that that's the one they're giving you, <laughs> you know, that they're saying, screw it. We're going to make this as absurd as possible. And we're going to do the most crazy things with it. The evolution process, the, the, the egg thing at the Warner's Ark that episode, brilliant. Moving on to that, you're so miffed that all of your favorite side characters weren't included in the reboot that you disguised a look of humans and tried to foil a success despite the fact that all you might have been is robots as supporting characters, yada yada like chicken boo. Full circle. I think that they are playing on that as well as, as moving away from it. I miss a lot of the characters. I really do. And that is one of the things that I am so on the fence about when it comes to comparing the two. Because what... It, With those older characters, to me, personally anyway, it feels like, again, they were trying new things. They were just trying to entertain. It was like a variety show. But now, with our our sensibilities and and modern mindset, a lot of those kind of things don't always play too well unless they're regurgitated and reformed. Like you said, what's the alien and, and, and the little girl again?
0: Starbucks and Cindy? Starbucks
6: and Cindy. It is Buttons and Mindy. It's just a different framework. Little girl, oblivious, and her pet takes the brunt. So... It's a little easier to take when it's a little girl beating an alien than it is a little girl destroying a dog's life. You know yes, what I mean? That. So I understand the regurgitation of that. But at the same time, the new stuff isn't the strongest, but it's also trying. It's it's trying to grow. A lot of the Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain segments are doing a lot of the heavy lifting, admittedly, but the things that they've been doing have been so busy and chock full of new ways to connect and new ways to tell their kind of stories, even if it seems like a little repetitive after a time. And I celebrate that, I support that. It's trying to evolve itself and it's trying to grow with us and to do something new as well as entertain us. So that's why I say it is yes to all of those things and also why I still say it's five stars. And it's a little unfair to go in expecting to see the original just go in with the love of for the original and i think you will still get something out of it it is it is sharper it does have more bite it is going to do things for an evolved mindset even in youth i mean Kids today are almost like the sensibilities of, of many adults. You know, they're they're in a sense, they can handle a lot of edgier material and things like that, the satire like that. I've explained to them, if it's done an entertaining way, they will be able to enjoy it. And I think going back in a lighter capacity to what we were used to might seem a little hokey to them and it might be a bad thing for their selling out portion of their existence but that being said yes i love it all i do have shortcomings and, and and opinions about it but overall i i won't compare them i will just say bring it on more is more it's it's totally insane and i'm there for it
0: well and that's where i would hearken back to my own where i started with this because I had already heard people panning it, like really coming in harsh on it, I walked in with low to zero expectations. I just thought, it's the Warners, it's Pinky in the Brain, I know this, I know I like them. And I appreciate all of your comments, Stephen. I think that's, you know, I think that you're right in all of what you said. I guess perhaps, at least for my brain, again, with kind of going in, not a complete fresh or clean slate because obviously I watched the original one and loved it but walking in with just the the hope that it would be good is basically where I was going that my friends were wrong and that it would be good is where I started and for okay. the most yeah and for the most part it was good but I also know that it's kind of hard to completely shake that foundational reference point especially when you have as Nick said watched the original cartoon for me, it's multiple times, too. It's kind of hard to just shake that. So, yeah. But it also wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't start with trying to, to provoke a question, a thought, a comparison, a contrast. Because that's, that's what we're doing here. It's a revival. It's one of these revival thingies. We haven't covered a lot of the revivals, but we have covered some. So, do you have any favorite reboot seasons, shorts? There's a whole bevy of brand new songs. I will say one of my favorite jokes, favorite running jokes, by the way, is when Dot (laughs) basically says some variation to of you're just trying to sing Countries of the World again. Stop singing. One of my favorite ones is the whole Oliver rehash. I think that's in season two, I want to say. Yep. Which is <laughs> hilarious because they did their own versions of the some of the songs, but also turned it on its head, I believe was the phrase just used. And I can't name any of the songs. I was just appreciating the fact that they went back to a musical homage, number one, and number two, that it was that one. And I was wacko- hoping
2: Rita would pop in.
0: I was, too, but, you know, Bernadette, she's busy still. She's still thriving. She's, she's living her life. You know, she's sought after, highly requested. <laughs> so I think her days of playing Rita might be over, but who knows what will happen in season three or if there are more seasons. Maybe they'll get a cameo.
2: That one was a little different, too, because it was broken up as a two-parter with the pinky and the brain in the middle.
0: Yes, but Pinky and the Brain also featured because That's they true. were part of the two, which is another yeah. reason why I liked it because everybody was together, basically.
2: I also appreciate, it's not, they don't hit you over the head with this, but it does feel like Pinky and the Brain throughout the two seasons is more of an arc. I feel yes. like we're seeing, they're treating it like, oh, adults are watching this, so let's make their relationship between Pinky and the Brain more adult. You can see more dimension and depth in it. And then all the stuff with Julia, which is, I guess they had, was it Snowball, who was his nemesis before? He had a nemesis, but I feel like it was only in, like, two of the episodes. I'm not sure. But I like all the stuff with Julia, too. His ex-wife, right?
0: Yes. They were married? Yeah. And divorced by Maria Bamford. That's right. And oh. then I loved the chicken boo
2: ones. I love I enjoyed them for their own non chicken boo aspects. The the hunting one, the getting at least the visual cameos of the other characters in the first one. And I loved the the song in the Warner's arc. And then I loved the chicken boo aspect of it at the end for both of them connecting it. Those were some of my favorites. But I also loved chicken boo <laughs> from the original.
0: So, <laughs> see I didn't love it as much, so the fact that they actually said that <laughs> was really hilarious. And that it was also it that one was also built up a little bit like an arc as well for the appearances that he made. I think Steven mentioned that earlier, so then when they revealed him like a Scooby Doo reveal, I was all for it. That was hilarious.
4: I must admit that for not liking Chicken Boo as much as I did, ...from the original. I always like... ...and I always was like, God dang it, another one of these stupid... ...another <coughs> variation of this stupid idea It's the same line, and it's just like, ah, I guess I'll go to the bathroom during this cartoon when the rest of it comes on. You know, that That's was my a lot of information. Of Chicken Boo <laughs> but I must admit, the way they re-contextualize the character by actually putting Chicken Boo in a credible disguise... And having him revealed later as a, you know, like, Scooby-Doo-wise and giving the character, like, actual motivation is a really nice undercutting of the idea, but also really using the character to its to its most fullest potential. So I give them a lot of props for that.
0: Anyone else have any favorite pieces, seasons, shorts, songs?
4: I actually really like the song, the, the opening song of the Reboot It. That's actually a really good song, and I, it, it really set the tone well for the series, I think, and the type of music they were going for and the type of comedy they were going for, I thought. And most of my favorite shorts were the, were the Warner shorts. I mean, just like, I think they really, all of the, the, the meta humor is very up my alley, so that really helps. But one of the more traditional style ones I liked was the, the Olympic one from the first season it was when the three Warners were like camping out and then they turn out they're on the cu- on like the olympic cup and then they're like oh hey look we're going to play some games and then they have this ridiculous character one-off character cuz they're trying like, to get
0: chocolate and they think the medals are chocolate yeah and yeah. they're actually metal medals yeah
4: i actually really like that one i thought it i thought the comedy was just like rapid fire and really good high quality comedy i think
2: it
0: was
4: a one-off
2: character isn't he in season 2
0: he is. He oh comes maybe back. I missed
4: that one. Mm-hmm. Shoot, blonde
5: mullet guy.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. basically an Arnold. Eject. type.
5: Yeah. And, yeah. you
0: know what also comes back? The overly dramatic dragon, the dragon yes. that is in drama school or something. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> and they even make fun of that character in the second one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The the uh, Warner's are.
0: I so that piece of it, I really enjoyed the fact that they called back their own callbacks. Yeah. And I agree, Nick, I think Pinky and the Brain did have a bit of an evolution and an arc that actually, not only with the appearance of Julia, but there were lots of building upon, there were moments that would build upon the last attempt to take over the world, where they would actually refer to the last attempt to take over the world and then say, this is what I'm doing this time to take over the world. Or even changing up that joke. You know, come on, Pinky, we must prepare for tomorrow night. Why, Brain, what we going to do tomorrow night? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. There were different variations on that joke throughout their shorts in both seasons. So I to that end, I almost feel like, as much as I love the Warners, that the Pinky and the Brain shorts were my favorite, generally speaking, for both seasons. Just because they did feel super connected in ways
2: that were unusual yeah i, re- I like pinky's birthday was
5: a fun one and yeah, a, it's birthday. a really different way to do a pinky in <laughs> the brain episode
0: that one was, I was trying, really good I was trying to
5: find which episode it was but like there was essentially like a brain origin story
0: yep
5: at one point i mean that that was just like the note i wrote it's just like all caps brain origin story i, I have <laughs> season one episode 13 the, the quote right above that i don't remember if it was even from the same segment but it all began with a wavy transition and descending xylophone
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: once again that whole being self-aware thing
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah
5: extraordinaire self-aware extraordinaire
0: conceptually <clears throat> a lot of those shorts were really just kind of high high concept pinky and the brain mm-hmm. ones although i did i did it also enjoy the opening number of Episode 1 of Season 1, which was basically involving representations of all the Warner Brothers properties and their big opening musical number with, like, Batman climbing the water tower and all that nonsense. That was fun.
2: Not just Warner properties. They had, I mean, they had Iron Man, but it was literally an
1: iron for a head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, trademarks.
1: (laughs) Oh, right line, but don't go completely across.
2: Well, what's really weird is this... Because this is Hulu, like Hulu and Warner, and Disney owns two-thirds of Hulu, like Iron Man is, <laughs> I don't understand how this works.
5: <laughs> the third of Iron Man they didn't show, they put an iron for that. Two-thirds they own the rights to.
2: Yeah, but it's weird because this is a Warner property being produced yep. by something that is technically two-thirds also owned by Disney. Like Disney could say, no, we don't want more enemies but I know they're hurting for contents with having two different streaming
5: services. Yeah, Disney's hurting, <laughs> like usual. Those poor Disney execs.
4: Wiping their tears with their $100 bills.
3: Uh,
0: so what, there's also a new CEO of Warner's, oh, oh but yeah. before we do that, yes, now I remember what you were talking about, the whole ownership share with Hulu, Warner Brothers, and Disney. I have no idea how that works. There has to be some sort of weird, funky agreement,
2: though, Well, and that's I didn't mean the company of Disney is hurting, but I know that they are they basically will greenlight just about anything yeah. for Hulu or Disney Plus because they want to make sure there's still new stuff. That's one of the reasons the Orville's back, like it was cancelled by Fox, and then Disney bought Fox and was like, "This can go straight to Hulu. I wouldn't be surprised if it's why Futurama was easier to greenlight from their perspective. Because they know, they know the algorithm and how much new content has to keep people staying subscribed. And that's really what they're going for right now.
0: It is Sorry. madness, for- the amount of content. That's a whole other podcast. Like, this podcast can never hope to, co- to cover all of the content that exists.
5: But but that reminded me of another quote I wrote in my notes, which was the... Um, did they call them a different award? Anyway, some awards ceremony episode where one of the nominees was the englishman's wife ghost by netflix algorithm uz 1165
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and i think that's part of it too i mean i really think all of these other streamers are trying to take down netflix and put them bury them six feet under i really think that's happening and that i almost feel like hbo slash Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers owns HBO and Disney Plus are like in cahoots to make that happen.
5: (laughs) The enemy is my friend.
0: Yes, basically. (laughs) And Hulu is just another way of getting at that market share. But okay. So the Warner Studios have a new CEO. Her name is Nora Rita Norita. Nora (laughs) Rita Norita. Who, Thaddeus, he's retired, presumably. His picture sort of hangs somewhere there, but he's otherwise a non-mention.
2: I believe he's the judge. It's a very brief. It looks like him as a judge, and I don't know if it's the what's the one you really like, the musical of Oliver Twist.
0: Oh, he was. You're he's right. Like,
2: he like I like
1: that case. they did threw that in there, just a little camp. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: True. So he's still around, but he's not the CEO. What did you think of Norita Norita Rita Norita? Nora, 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 <laughs> <can't
2: It> takes <laughs> a little bit of getting used to, but I don't. I really don't mind the character. I also. Get it? I mean, they literally say in the opening credits every time the opening song that are gender balanced and ethnically diverse. And that it checks that box. (laughs) But they're also doing something different with the character too. And there was how many episodes with Thaddeus plots And since they're still keeping Frank Welker around with some of his other characters like Ralph, I'm I welcome change.
1: One of the interesting turns that I found was her her character to me seemed kind of one dimensional. She was just the crazy psycho studio executive until we got to the sweet 16 episode mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. that
1: one that one hit a little bit different with the way that they turned her character around there was a there's a lot more depth to it than that and so suddenly it wasn't just about being the stereotype of the executive on a tv studio movie studio kind of thing and playing to all of the different stereotypes that, that go along with being in that role in hollywood there was a little added element a little bit more human of an element to it.
0: Agreed. I didn't mind her either. I thought she was maybe not essentially very humorous until they did give her that dimension, and then they played with that dimension a little bit And episodes following that.
2: I feel like they did that very specifically of, we're changing this thing. We know that nerds can be very mad at change, so we won't do too much with it. It'll just be there, and then we'll wait to do stuff with this character because then it's kind of the big finale of season two, hinges on that character as well, and will it even matter
5: in season three? Like, yeah. <laughs> Our hopes they just ignore that entirely. It's like, oh, this big plot twist that we will never come back to. Tough.
0: Which plot twist are you referring to, for the listeners' benefit?
5: Ralph being the new CEO and related to her. Yeah.
0: Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole plot in that season two finale. <laughs> But But actually, actually,
1: if you saw that coming, and if you've got your hand raised, you're a liar.
0: (laughs) True. Although, I mean, in the middle of the episode, I was like, oh, it's going to be Ralph. (laughs) But no, I did not see that coming. The whole episode was very, that one had a little bit of an absurdist feel, too, with the Warners showing up in the middle of her family and this whole business over that inheritance. And I was like, what, what, where are they going with this? (laughs) But I feel like they had they had seeded some clues that brought you to the conclusion that Ralph was going to be the long lost somebody or other before they actually said it. Not before that episode, though. Speaking of that new theme song, how do you feel about that? Gender neutral, eth- ethnically diverse. Dot has wit, but Yakko yaks.
1: <laughs> That's very interesting. They changed the whole premise. That in in the Fox years and the WB years, it's all about Dot playing cute. Yes, all with cute. That that was her whole shtick, is that she's cute. And now with the reboot... I mean, she's always had wit. They all have wit. Uh, They're all fantastically witty characters. But to change that tagline from the very beginning was one of those things that immediately pricked my ears up when I heard, wait a minute, I knew there was going to be things that are different, but I didn't expect the big three to be changed.
0: Yeah, I don't love it, because ultimately what they're trying to do... I think is, I guess, not objectifier. <laughs>
3: what, yeah. What?
0: <laughs> but when she said, I'm cute, it was with sarcastic and underlying humor and not... A ruse. It's a ruse, it's, exactly. It's a Just
5: exactly. whack people over the head with hammers.
0: Now, to their credit, within... So Dot's evolution as the Warner sister in these two seasons is that she's quick to call out everybody's crap even faster than she ever used to be. And maybe that's part of the wit. I don't know. But I don't find the theme song quite as catchy as it used to be. And I keep wanting to sing after, meet Pinky and the Brain who want to rule the universe. Your feathers lock together. Slappy wax them with her Mm. purse. I mean, I know the whole original one so well. This one just doesn't catch the ear quite well.
5: (laughs) I mean, I I will say I love the We Did Meta first line. Mm
3: -hmm. That's
5: the best encapsulation of the whole reboot, I think. But the, speaking of things that catch the ear, like it annoys me, basically every time that they they sort of like overemphasize and ni maniacs like they. Yes. Make In case anyone's confused about which vowel this is, I don't know why that bothers me so much. <laughs> that's the only thing that truly bothers me is that Christian. syllable.
0: Well, Christian, Christian, if that's all it that's bothering you. Me too. <laughs> Oh, if okay. that's all that's bothering you, Christian, you're in a pretty good spot.
5: <laughs> that's all that's bothering me about the theme song.
0: Oh! Okay, yeah. well...
5: And, and the wit thing kind of is a slightly eye-rolling for me as well, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's fine. It, like I said, it's kind of redundant, because they do all have wit, like you were saying, but it's just like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's in keeping with the reboot, but yeah, that that syllable, man.
0: Wow, I don't have the passion about the syllable, Christian. <laughs> I didn't even notice it, but okay.
5: Well, sorry, because you probably will now. I Can't know!
0: Mind. I'll never unhear it, and I'll think of I'm you, and it'll be sorry. your fault. <laughs> so.
5: Misery loves company. Uh.
0: <laughs>
5: Misery
0: loves company. <laughs> wow. Who, who knew a syllable would be so controversial? I certainly didn't.
4: I'll throw in some more controversy. I thought it was the Animaniac syllable that actually bothered me more.
0: now there's multiple syllables can you people not be pleased (laughs) i don't get it (laughs) okay well maybe they'll change it just for you both in season three
5: if they're taking suggestions
0: (laughs) (laughs) i got nothing i don't even know what to say (laughs) we covered a lot of these questions okay here's one the reboot also has no involvement from original creator Tom Ruger, which Michael alluded to in previous episodes of this talk. Reportedly, they asked him to submit spec scripts for episodes, and he basically felt like they were making him audition for the show he already made. Do you think his lack of involvement helps or hurts the reboot? Or something in the middle? Do you care? What do you think?
4: I'm conflicted. On the one hand, I mean, it's nice to get new blood. I feel like there's it feels like there is a consistent voice and a consistent, a consistent direction, direction and a manifesto. I guess is kind of a terrible word in this case. But I feel like the show has consistency in the way it's presented, the way it's produced, the way it just everything about the way it's put together. However, it is unfortunate that they went ahead without him. It just seems a little. I don't, I don't want to say petty, but it seems a little like they weren't, They did, it just seems like the producers, not necessarily the creative people behind it, but the producers, you know, the, the executives, the ones that were in charge of the money, were kind of just like, yeah, if he doesn't want to be involved, who cares? We'll find other people. And it, it just seems to kind of, it just kind of seems like a smack in the face almost. Because his, in many ways, the, the, it was his baby. It was his creation I mean if you if you look at Tom Ruger's blog that he has you can see him you, he actually talks about on his website the evolution of the three Warner characters from like these ducks that he created and how they eventually became the Warners and it's just so I mean this is something he's been very much involved with from a very long aspect of his life so it's it seems like he should be involved somehow even if it's just like an Quote unquote executive producer credit, which in many ways is largely meaningless. You just get like money every time, every time that your show airs, or it's like, hey, did you like this? Yeah, I liked it. That's good. I approve. And then it goes to print or whatever. So it just seems like a little, I don't know. So I'm very conflicted about it. I, I don't necessarily miss him because I'd like the new voice of the show. But on the other hand, I feel like he should be involved
1: somehow. Same. I would agree with that. You summed it up again really well, Michael i i I like the show, and I like where it's gone I like the the potential for where it could go, but I do think that the fact that the original creator of the show was not asked to come on board unless he basically re auditioned for his own show is kind of shady pool it just it it doesn't sit a hundred percent right with me i mean that's just that's just me but but is it enough
4: to boycott the show? I mean, that's not—that's no, the no, thing you're no, no, conflicted right.
5: about.
1: Absolutely not. It's still a fantastic show. It, it still is, even without him being the one necessarily driving the train. It still is a great show.
5: I see. I think you used the word petty earlier. Like being asked to submit ideas. Essentially, it's like I don't. To me, that doesn't seem like that big a slap in the face for you know a new production team to just be like, hey, what. What are your ideas in this decade? You know, like, right, mm-hmm. is where is where you would take this appropriate for updating it? To me, that, and you know, I, I guess the, the feeling of having to audition for something you created—sure, that that would seem like a slap in the face. But it's just like, just send them some pages, like, what, you know, if 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 the only reason ultimately he wasn't involved is because he kind of refused like that that to me seems perhaps more petty but
4: well and you know that's also part of my part of the conflict conflicting, yeah. the conflict is like <laughs> you actually make a very good point christian because it is in many ways he's essentially setting himself up to not be involved by right. being so like well you should have just asked me to be involved and you should have yeah. just asked me to to be executive producer or or director or whatever and it's like, well, okay, no, but I mean there's there's a different production team, there's a different executives involved, so they're gonna <clears throat> they have to be brought in you have to bring in the talent and the talent still has to show, hey, this is what I would do or this yeah. is what I can do. And this is a
2: team production, so asking to submit scripts can also be a way of finding out how he's gonna work with some of yeah. these new people and saying no, I'm not going to do that is a good answer to that question, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
4: yeah. In um, that case, yeah. In that case, it's almost like, well, yeah. The production team is essentially saying, well, we don't want this to hold up any of our production schedule, so. Thanks, but no
2: thanks. Yeah, yeah. For all we know, he would have
5: submitted three hip hippos sketches. <laughs> <laughs> Which at some points I would have accepted. There were times like, yeah, even hip hippos. Like, that's a fine.
0: You know, of all of them, I did not miss the hip hippos. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I don't care them. Yeah. I them. Tom, you know, I, I asked this question. I don't really have my own answer to it. You know, would it have changed anything? I don't know, probably not really in the end. I mean, he, I'm I'm inclined to agree with Christian, you know, and Nick to some extent, you know, I think they were just trying to feel out this new team and he gave them the, the back, again, the bones, the original show. And if he didn't really want to continue on that way, I don't, you know, I don't, I think they asked him. It's better than, you know, just going on without asking him. I think that would have been a slap in the face.
3: Definitely, yeah.
0: I don't know that it misses anything, him not being part of it. I don't know that his voice was the sole voice on the original show. I don't think so. Sherry Stoner, who voices Slappy Squirrel, was a huge writing force on the original series. Not (laughs) Not so much on this reboot. So I don't know that I miss him per se. But, you know, I think it was interesting when I was again doing sort of my preparation research that this was apparently a thing that they had to kind of contend with when they were deciding whether or not to revive it. I do think he still gets something like a consulting producer credit, so he's still getting some (laughs) kind of production residual. I don't I don't know that I miss him. I don't think that I do and I I don't think the show owes him loyalty because the original series was at least capped off as well. Like there was a proper yeah. series finale. I think it would be different if the original just got canceled and was left out adrift and then they didn't involve him more. I think he had his run and and whether he wanted to be involved or not, I mean, was ultimately his choice. So that's how I feel. And I miss some of the other writers, though. I mean, I think they're contributing, but not nearly as much. There's definitely a new writing team on it. So this is an all-answer question. They've renewed the series for a third season. We don't know know yet when this will come out. It's in production and development, potentially of 13 episodes. What hopes do you have for the upcoming season, if any? Do you think there are changes they should make? Continue as they are? Something in the middle and explain your answer.
2: I definitely hope they Can come up with the fun creative way to bring one more chicken boo sketch like i would love if that's something that happens every season and i hope they bring one more character from the original show into at least one sketch in the season
1: yes same i i'd like to see a cameo at the bare minimum of another one of the side characters from from the show we know at least that they're not dead That episode with Chicken Boo where they got hunted, I mean, that got dark real fast. Sure did. And then all of a sudden, at the very tail end, oh, all the characters really aren't just taxidermied heads on the wall. They're still here, and they're going to kick Chicken Boo's butt. So they're all there. They just haven't had anything to do necessarily yet. I'd like to see some of the original people come back, along with some of the new side characters that they're creating. If If that's where they want to really start to stretch some of their creative legs... Awesome. But give us a little bit more of the the original folks there too.
0: I think (laughs) they don't have to bring back the two that I really feel like has timeless appeal despite their possible perception of it as Slappy and Skippy Squirrel. The comedy is already about the fact that the comedy is potentially outdated but not really. (laughs) So it's all about recycling those old sketches for younger audiences like your Abbott and Costello's and your Three Stooges and all those different old-style comedy acts. It's all about recycling that for newer generations. It seems like the Squirrel Pair would be a very good Oh hey, we're back. I don't I don't know what, you know, Sherry's doing nowadays. And obviously they'd probably have to find a new Skippy because I think
5: I was just gonna say, what age would you want Skippy? Yeah. Uh, unless
0: unless
4: they Decided to make Skippy age him up to an adult
5: and have him be like bad humor all day.
4: Or, and then like maybe there's a grandkid involved now, like Skippy has a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a daughter, and maybe the daughter looks up to mm-hmm. is like trying to connect with Slappy and Slappy. I don't know. I think if they, I really think they could do something really awesome and funny with the updated Slappy and Skippy and whoever they end up getting or if they decide to add a new character or not
1: even if they didn't i think the the potential for some of that other comedy is absolutely timeless I mean. one of the first things that that jumped to my mind thinking about some of the pop culture things that they could spoof could you imagine like slappy squirrel as a peter capaldi-esque doctor who spoof <laughs> <laughs> i can now <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
3: <I'm> like... <laughs> yeah,
1: that sort of thing since that's that's so much a pop culture now and the, there's a whole lot of things that Slappy could come in with her type of sardonic Hollywood-esque humor that could that could really skewer that that would be absolutely hysterical to watch. Heck yeah, if I
5: mean, they ju- want. Old Hollywood commenting on contemporary Hollywood, you know old Hollywood never changes and contemporary Hollywood always does. So there's your you know freshness because like you're saying Kylie, it's just like it, it, the Heck they want to <laughs> it's just like how the things are different. So they're they're different again.
4: If they want to stay with the timely political satire. They could do just one sketch, a one off sketch of Slappy and Skippy, where Slappy becomes like a pro, like a right wing like nut job or something, and Skippy has to save him. Nut job. Nick, just gonna let it go. But no,
2: Nick had to point it out. Christian pointed it out. I just made sure you didn't miss this one.
0: <laughs> Actually, Michael, you opened the door for the pun. It is your fault, first of all. <laughs> Anyways.
5: You're just lob them up there like that. Come
0: on. And that's what I'm saying. Slappy can't be right. She could never be that no, person.
5: We talked about
4: Roseanne, person. didn't we? But look where that
0: was. <laughs> Slappy is not Roseanne, and I resent the fact that you compared the two of them at all. <laughs> so. <laughs>
4: I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay, I'm joking.
0: good. <laughs> Roseanne it's more is more like holiday. Roseanne is not a squirrel. <laughs> I don't know what she would be. I don't want to go down the road. <laughs> so <laughs> That's how I feel. And that's yeah. Okay, so we wanna see some cameos. What other hopes do you have for the third season?
4: I hope they decide to go more into the like really embrace the idea of different animation styles, like they've already started to do. Like even within the Warner cartoons themselves, they even kind of play off of the different animation styles of like Cartoon Network or whatever. And you know, I think isn't there like a My Little Pony esque parody at some one point? Yes. And, you know, they do the there's the Power Rangers one at the beginning of season one. Eighties um, cats. Eighties yeah, cats.
3: Eighties exactly.
0: cats. That was. That wasn't just... That That was the Thundercats, though, right?
3: Right, yeah. mm-hmm. Different
0: from the Power Rangers one. Yeah, yeah. Although I think the 80s Cats was going for a few things, but Thundercats was the big one.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, the logo of 80s Cats was very... It was the Thundercats.
0: The Thundercats, that's right. Oh, my gosh, that one was funny because...
2: More little stuff like that, too, because that was mm-hmm. literally just not even a minute-long thing.
0: Well, yeah, and we're you know Stephen mentioned the thirty-year gap, but '80s nostalgia is hype right now. Like yes. it is all over the place. And thank you, Stranger Things. Well, not just Stranger <laughs> Things, but Stranger Things certainly has helped that quite a lot. So there's there's a lot more opportunity there for them to do that as well. Oh, yeah. one
4: thing I did notice too was I know there was one episode I was rewatching today. I it was like, oh wait, there was a cutaway gag, they, and it's like the Animaniacs have never done a cutaway gag before. And I was like, that's awesome! Do more of that.
5: That, uh, that! that would help, you know, the cliche I used earlier of punchy, I think that would that would help punch it up a little bit, just keep the pace clipping. Just, yeah, cutaway gags in general help kind of, dare I say, reboot within a segment.
0: The sketch where Yakko forms uh- a relationship with the artist who keeps drawing him in all kinds Jack of...
1: Yakko
0: Yes! That was one of my favorite Favorite Warner shorts. Because it was all meta. Like, they didn't even disguise it. (laughs) It was, we're going to do this fourth wall thing completely. Only not really, because he's talking to the artist. And then they team up. (laughs) So I appreciate that.
2: I do want them to pull more from those classic Warner cartoons. They've done that a couple times in the original. Where they're pulling from basically a modern day version of an old short and that's what that that's exactly what that
6: was. Yeah. You're right. I would agree with the more characters that we know cameos. It is, as it is right now that is my biggest grievance about it even with the 5 star rating that I previously gave it is that the Warner's and Pinky and the Brain are doing a lot a lot a lot of heavy lifting. Almost to a point where it's Getting predictable. I I like the unpredictability factor. Like you mentioned before, you never know what's going to happen next or who you're going to see next, but you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a Warner sandwich with pinky and the brain meat (laughs) and with occasionally peppered new characters that don't really work or are just re redone versions of previous characters that got eliminated. So what's the point of getting rid of them? Slappy, I agree with Slappy and Skippy, who are the most accessible. Think about what Slappy's opinions could be now about this modern generation, Skippy being all about it. In a true Animaniacs fashion, I would would say, I would love to see Skippy grown up. He's off in his own life, but his own son, Skippy Jr., is now with Slappy, but looks just like Skippy. So she just keeps calling him Skippy like it never changed. But then you have skippy sensibilities of what the modern mindset for kids know now and you can have a whole different kind of joke journey with slappy's perspective because <laughs> now she has her 30-year nostalgia like we do and her normal nostalgia like she's always had it's just going to keep growing and getting funnier and funnier so i would appreciate more thinking outside of the box like that and not being afraid of it because it is in a sense our show too we do want to see what we used to see as well as it is in new generations but aside from that i just hope that they find a way to spice it up a bit more and have more confidence in the things and choices that they are changing more so than just relying on the warners to keep doing the same kinds of things that they have been kind of swinging at. But other than that, a (laughs) plus
0: fair enough. And I think Steven wrote the new slappy skippy short just then. So Hey, Animaniacs writers, if you're listening to this podcast, tweet at us, CPU podcast (laughs) <laughs> we'll give you credit we'll we'll say you know
6: i may charge you for the idea
0: okay <laughs> okay as long as you're paying reasonably we'll give you credit <laughs> so there you go any other hopes any other dreams any other wishes because now i'm going to ask the the two million dollar questions we don't have that kind of money but i'm going to ask them anyway
1: keep the music rolling the songs are still great they are it's one of the best good. parts about animaniacs keep the music rolling
6: true
3: story
0: yeah i'm heartened to say that those have not lost their gusto and have been updated for the modern times without losing anything and i still love the fact i still love that joke about yakko trying to sing some variation of yakko's world and dot really giving him crap for it (laughs) (laughs) that was a delightful dynamic where the sibling maybe because they had so much on-screen time the sibling relationships kind of emerged between the three, if you will, and Dot and Yakko have a special bond. But you know what I do miss? Here's my hope. I think they need to bring back the Wheel of Morality. Wheel of oh Morality. God, turn, turn, right. turn. Yep. Tell us the lesson Unless, that we shall learn.
5: Good idea. Bad idea would not go amiss either. Just every once in a while, you know. Like if I'll you've got those, do it twice.
0: yeah but the wheel of morality would be easy because they're already using the warmers (laughs) all they have to (laughs) do is update what's behind those numbers and maybe have some different prizes done
4: oh yeah no i'm totally for it i mean you you can even do a big thing about like modern game shows to it too and like how bigger they've gotten and how more ridiculous they've gotten some of them you know I think it'd be really funny.
1: They still need to make sure that they use the old dot matrix printer to print out the morale. <laughs> with everything modernized and all of that. I'm just it comes out a dot matrix printer. Yeah.
0: Well, see, but I think, to be fair, they wouldn't print anything. They would show it on, like, a tablet. <laughs> I mean, if we're evolving stuff, I'm just saying. So now I'm going to ask the million-dollar questions. Again, we don't have this kind of money. Are you going to keep watching?
5: Yes. That's yes. Right. That is okay. the half star of my three and a half stars. Yes. I, I will soldier on. I will give it a
6: chance.
0: Steven, I presume your answer is Yes. Yes. I said Steven, but
6: okay. <laughs> oh, oh sorry. Yes, absolutely.
0: All right. And now the next question. Would you recommend the Animaniacs reboot, specifically the reboot, to others? Why or why not? That's an all-state I would. Too.
4: I would recommend it. I think, you know, honestly, I would, if you're, like, not familiar with Animaniacs at all, I feel like watching a reboot could be a good, could be valuable in that fact that it's like oh hey, you know, I mean even though it's not technically geared towards new audience there is a certain degree of, they're obviously trying to bring new people in, so I feel like it could almost like, if you're not familiar with it at all, you could watch the reboot and then be like, oh hey, maybe you'll watch the old show, and then realize that the old show is maybe more your cup of tea, who knows, I don't know, I
1: recommend (laughs) it Yeah, the the reboot is it's something that someone could very easily fall in and start watching with 30 seconds of prep time what is animaniacs oh it was a cartoon in the 90s it's kind of a variety show format and they've got these characters that you're going to see let's watch and that's really all the preface that you need there are going to be some jokes that are going to go over people's heads because they are connected to the old part of the show but that's okay there's there were a lot of jokes that went over our heads when we were watching the old version of animaniacs when we were kids too you don't have to land get 100 percent of the jokes in order to appreciate this program
2: Which ties into why I think it's weird they don't bring the Good Feathers back. Because I didn't know Goodfellas when I was watching the Animaniacs the first time around. I didn't either. But to your question, I mean, it depends who I'm talking to if I'm going to recommend it. I mean, if somebody asks me about the show, it depends on who's asking. It's not If somebody's asking in general what they should be watching, this might not be my go-to. But if somebody's asking about this show, like whether or not they should watch it, I would... Definitely tell them to give it a chance. The episodes aren't long, so it's not too much of an ask to give it a chance based on how funny it is. Yes,
3: <laughs>
0: yes, yes, you'd recommend it. Okay, but yes. the other part was, why are why not?
6: <laughs> All that I've said and more. I mean, it's going to hit differently with everybody, it's, and it's not for everybody. But I still think there's there are things, especially now in this modern iteration, that everybody can get something from it whether it be a chuckle whether it be something they learn whether it be something they agree with or whether it be inspiration or even dare i say it discuss there's there's something to get from it and as long as it keeps happening i'll keep watching it and i'll keep singing its praises
5: i would recommend it it's just you know i'm gonna just be team nick again here where it's just it depends heavily on who's asking why they're asking you know the spirit in which they're asking but if it's just kind of like if i'm just recommending shows to people of A Friday Night, it's, I suppose it's on the list, but it's, it's pretty far down the list, in and of itself, but if somebody's like, hey, I heard there's an Animaniacs reboot, I would say, yes, watch it, and then I'd probably have some disclaimers, but, yeah, I'd recommend it.
0: I would recommend it as well, I mean, I think, Generally speaking, if you enjoyed the original Animaniacs, you should give it a chance. I don't know why the friends who went in saying they didn't like it, didn't like it. They weren't incredibly specific with me. As far as why they didn't like it, they were actually supposed to be part of this panel at one point or another. But then flat out said, I don't want to do it because I don't like it. And I don't know really what fueled that. I would not take that tack. I think I would disclaim it a little and just say it's not out it's not your dad's Animaniacs. I'd quote the show. I mean if you if we're qualifying because this is a cartoon or because this is this, you know, that's not how I would approach it. Generally speaking, it really I think is going to appeal to the people who watched the Animaniacs originally or their kids. If somebody else discovers it, or wants to discover it, then I would say discover it. Watch it. Watch whatever is accessible to you. If that's the reboot, then it's the reboot. If it's the original series, they're both on the same streamer. You can only watch Animaniacs on Hulu right now, streaming-wise. So, to that end, I think giving it a try is worth it. I don't know if I would be as effusive with my praise about the reboot as I have been about the original, but I wouldn't say anything negative about it either. I mean, it just basically would be like, it's still funny, watch it. And I... Hold to what I said earlier that I think that Pinky some many of the Pinky and the Brain shorts are the sharpest they've ever been if not more even over their own original series that they had for however many seasons I think that a lot of the shorts and the reboot for Pinky and the Brain are really top notch and for that alone I'd say watch it but I think it's still going to be funny and still going to get laughs. It may not be for everybody, but that's our—that's where I would be. All right, this has been a Zany to the Max Animaniacs reboot special. Is there anything else that you want to say about the Animaniacs? Because now we're officially caught up. So what will happen is this will revert to a water cooler series with each new season of the reboot. We'll revisit, come back, see how we're feeling in shorter episodes. What do you think? Anything else you want to say about the Animaniacs original or reboot at this time?
2: I think we've covered it
0: i think we've <coughs> covered it too both versions and i think we have more to say when future seasons come out, but for right now, what I'd like to do is thank Stephen and Ryan and Nick and Michael and Christian for joining me to talk about the Animaniacs reboot. There's more to come. Before we get too far down the roll, we have to do the credits thing. Couch Potatoes Unite! was produced by Back Pocket Productions, run by yours truly, The Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced, by me, Kylie Piette. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kals Resmer. Kals played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book by email at Podcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at CouchPotatoesUnite, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts. And stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point! Until the next time, Animaniacs, both the original series and the reboot, are available to stream in their entirety on Hulu, as we've been saying. In the meantime, our Animaniacs panel will next reconvene following the release of season three, which has been ordered, but no airing plans have yet been announced. As always, keep a weathered eye to CPU for all the details. Until the next time, until the next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening, keep watching, stay tuned!
3: Bye-bye. Get it!